The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, 2022, and it is a heck of a morning here on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. We are live. We will be broadcast shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hope everyone's having a fantastic Thursday. There is a lot going on in the world of mixed martial arts. I don't even know where to begin. I honestly don't even know where to begin because there's so much going on. Of course, we get UFC 274. This has been just a insane week for fight news, potential fight news. I have some insight on a lot of these things, so we could talk about that. We could talk about Tony Ferguson going scorched earth. I will be talking about that to kind of kick things off. We'll be taking your calls. And then a very popular name on this show for some reason. Not, I mean, not saying that disrespectfully, but... For a guy that's not ranked in the top 15 in the lightweight division, a lot of talk about Grant Dawson. A lot of talk about Grant Dawson on this particular program. And the good news is Grant Dawson is going to join us around 8.45 this morning to discuss his big win over Jared Gordon, what he wants next. Apparently, another fight is in the works. At least that's what he told my good friend James Lynch. So we'll see what's going on with him. We'll get his thoughts on the two big lightweight f- fights at UFC 274, the title fight, Tony Ferguson versus Michael Chandler, so forth and so on. So excited to have uh, an actual planned live guest on the program. And we're going to do that this morning. So let's talk about Tony Ferguson, shall we? Holy cow. Talk about a media day that I will remember for a long, long time. That was Unbelievable. Tony Ferguson, after about a year away, just walks into the media room. He's like AC Slater on Say by the Bell. He takes the chair. He flips it around like he's about to crush a hamburger and french fries at the max. And just sits down, says, what's up, effers? And then just gets after it. No one was safe. Everyone was catching strays from Michael Chandler to Dana White to the UFC. Nobody was safe. Tony Ferguson just let loose. You could see about a year, probably more, of frustration just falling off of his shoulders. You could just see it. And he was getting freer and freer the more he said. And he has created quite a stir. It was unbelievable. Sometimes you'll hear fighters show up to these BD days and, you know, they'll they'll express a little bit of frustration. We've seen guys like 
Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, they go up there and they just don't give two Fs about whatever comes out of their mouths. And that's just who they are. But it's very rare that we see a fighter do what Tony Ferguson did before a big pay-per-view, before a big fight, knowing that he's going to have to share that stage with Dana White the very next day. And I will say this. First of all, if you haven't watched this media scrum, as soon as the show is over, go to the MMA Fighting YouTube page and watch it because it is pretty unbelievable. It's like 24 minutes worth every second. He has like one eight-minute answer, which is just fire. The guy is just incredible this week. But now, like normally, I groan upon a UFC press conference. I'm just like, oh, God, really? especially after a media day when we have already heard from these fighters and we're probably going to get somewhat of the same questions. I will say the UFC 273 press conference went, went pretty well. I thought it wasn't horrible. This one, I was feeling like this it could be pretty bad, but I am fascinated, super fascinated about what's going to happen today. When you have Tony Ferguson, you have Michael Chandler, you got Dana White, that's the main event, those guys. And, of course, you got Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira. I'm sure they're going to get after a little bit. Rose Namajunas, Carlos Sparza will be super respectful. They'll get a couple of questions. But it's going to be the Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Dana White show. And I'm here for it. I am here for it. I don't know how Dana's going to react. Because you know Tony's going to get asked about it. And hopefully Dana gets asked about some of the things he said about Boxers being overpaid, the, the the going out of business sale, Tony Ferguson comparing him to a drug dealer, comparing his company to drug dealers. I mean, this is this was some some media day scrum. So highly recommend you go back and watch that. I am much more interested in this fight than I was heading in. I was super interested in it anyways. I don't care about the losing streaks. I don't care about any of that stuff. You get Tony Ferguson and freaking Michael Chandler fighting. And then by the way. Credit to Michael Chandler, too. He did a fantastic job. Just being Michael Chandler. Just motivational speaking tour Michael Chandler. Saying the right things. Has the, the answer for everything. Sold the fight. Put Tony over in a big way. The guy just gets it. Both guys did a tremendous job. Gaethje did a tremendous job. It was just, it was just one of those media days where I was just like, damn it. I wish I was there. There are a million follow-ups I would have loved to have asked. So that's obviously huge. UFC 274 is going to be a lot of fun. We have war room screenshots of potential fights for UFC 276, for UFC 277, UFC London. It created quite a stir because of that interview Dana White did with the pivot. All this going on, of course, the one that really stuck out to everybody was Hamzat Shamayev versus Nate Diaz in a co-main event spot. I will say this. That interview took place. It wasn't like that interview took place on Monday. That interview took place, I think it was like a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago. So just like every other card, just like even Saturday's card, card subject to change, war room names on poster board likely to change. Obviously, we have confirmed some of these fights already. Others, we have not. Others, there's legs to them. Others, there doesn't seem to have any legs to them. But we'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. And again, we got Grant Dawson coming up around 8.45 this morning to talk all things lightweight division. His big one over Jared Gordon and more. Let's get right into this thing. If you guys want to ask a question, chat some MMA, let's get after it. Let's go. It's Thursday. It's fight week. Christopher kicks us off this morning. What's How up, buddy? Doing, Good. How yeah, not bad, man. Um, I'm going to let everyone tackle the Tony stuff, and, and that's all really exciting. I'm, I'm kind of coming in with a little bit of an off-topic one. And a bit of a fun one. Um, so I'm watching Rising right now. There's a Rising Landmark show. And we just had a grappling tag team match happen. So I guess my question to you is, what would be your dream grappling tag team match? Dream grappling tag In MMA. team match? Yeah. That is... Like, MMA dream fighters. grappling with MMA fighters. Yeah. Does like Pachecha count? Because he's an MMA fighter? That's a good <laughs> No, that's 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 cheating. You have to pick someone who isn't. How's that cheating? He's got an MMA fight. I know, he? I know. 
It'd be like, well, you can. I guess you can have like Gary Tonin and and Bruchesha and, and those guys. Yeah, I I know what you're saying. We'll we'll we'll, we'll limit the roster. I feel like Jed Mashu is a perfect person to answer this question. Um, I know he's here. If he wants to, thank you, Christopher. If you want to jump in, I mean, man, that's a really good one. I feel like. I don't know. I kind of want to see Ronnie Aya in there somewhere. I know it's not like a dream one. I know it's not one that's going to sell like a bunch of pay-per-views, but that dude is super legit. Claudio Poyas with his uh, ridiculous knee bars would be a, a fun name to add in. And then, I mean, you got some of the legends as well. That's a really good question. I got to think about that because, I mean, you're only giving me four. Hmm. I got to think about that one. There's there's some there's a lot of exciting ones. I feel like Islam Makachev would be a lot of fun. Throw him in there. You get the Habib factor in his corner. Hell, throw Habib in there. I know he's not like he's a tremendous grappler. I mean, he's just gonna take you down and smush you. He's gonna be tough to beat. I have to think about that one. I will answer that tomorrow when I do a little bit more. Make me think, Christopher. How dare you? Tristan Gordat, what's up, buddy? Everything. Um, Wonderful. That's great. Um, my question is um, going towards Rose uh, Namajunas. Um, do you feel this narrative? And I don't. I get the sense, especially to listening to everybody on MMA fighting, that there's still. I think you said it. Um, where Rose still has to do more, like. If we look at Valentina Shevchenko, we're like, there's no doubt she's the best, you know, <laughs> probably the best woman fighter pound for pound, one would argue, because, you know, she's dominated her division. But with with Rose, I think there's still there's still questions, right? Because, okay, you have the fight against Carla. Carla beat you the first time. Now can you get revenge? Then we still have questions if she could beat this version of Jessica Andrade because, like, you know, just gonna drive beat her, got the title, and then she came back and got the title back. But we were like, eh, it was kind of close. Like, you know, I don't know if too many people felt that she won that second time with Jessica Andrade. And this person, Jessica Andrade, they need to fight again to see what's really, um, who's really the best at this point. You know, and we already saw Doug Rose said, no, I'm obviously I'm the best. And I, I mean, I'm like, that's true because you beat a lot of these girls like twice or multiple times over. So, do you st- do you feel that narrative that she's like, man, listen, she still gotta do more. I, I gotta see, I gotta see her fight these women again and make sure we could crown her the best strawweight champion ever. So I, I want your thoughts on that. And then with Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler, with Tony Ferguson, this is this is also this narrative where, because like I'm not gonna lie, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like Chandler's, Chandler's gonna like just get and this like it's going to be Tony Ferguson no no issue because. I mean, my thought process with that, with Chandler, is like when he touches you, when he clips you with right hand, you're going down. You're, it's just he's that powerful. And then you know, people are st- starting to worry about Tony's chin and all the punishment he's taking, especially, you know, you know the way he, how he fights. It's like that's not going to hold up for a while. So people are just like, eh, like, you know, Ferguson, he's, he's great, but I expect Chandler to win this fight. But then... But then the way he was talking in the media, you you start to question yourself. You're like, hold on, maybe maybe, maybe he's gonna come back out here, and we're gonna see the the Tony Ferguson of old. So, just your narrative on those two points, and just love to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Tristan. Uh, for the first part of the first WS, I thought that was really interesting stuff. I thought her media day was really fascinating because you don't really you never really hear her talk like that talking about legacy, talking about being the the greatest of all time in her division. Like you never, anytime she's gotten those questions, she has like a professional Kevin Costner and Bull Durham kind of answer. Well, you know, we got to take it one fight at a time and, and do all this. But she brought this up on her own. She brought up the legacy stuff on her own. She feels like clearly she's the best right now. Still needs work to be the greatest of all time. I with her. But if you want to make the argument that Rose is the is the best strawweight of all time, I mean, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on. You could probably make a compelling case for that. I think beating Carla will certainly help that. 
I think a convincing win over Jessica Andrade would certainly help that. And that's why I have been such an advocate that no matter who wins on Saturday, although, I mean, if Carl wins, it's 2-0. I don't know. Maybe the UFC tries to run that one back. They like to run these things back real quick, depending on how they go out. I mean, if it's a close split decision and it's controversial, the UFC will probably go back to that well. But what I would like to see is Andrade get the winner, no matter what. I understand we have... Marina Rodriguez in there. I understand we have a big fight coming up with Ioana and Jacek and Chang Wei Lee. They're going to run that one back. But you got to understand this. What those two women put themselves through in March of 2020, when they had that all-time great fight, it's very, I mean, they're going to be out. They're going to be out a while. Like, they're probably just going to do this, a very similar thing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Zhang Wei Lee kind of, approaches it the same way she approached the Rose fight and will wrestle a little bit more. I doubt it. I think being in that crowd, I think the crowd's going to be ruckus in Singapore. I think they're going to be, they're going to be ready to go. That energy is going to be there. They're going to be excited, fired up. I have a, I think they're just going to get after it. They're going to beat the hell out of each other for 15 minutes. And it's not like that's something they can come back and two months later and, and fight for the belt. So just give Andrade the winner. It's a fresh matchup with Carla. And if she fights Rose again, you got a compelling trilogy fight. Andrade slammed her on her head and became the champion. And the second fight, I thought Rose won. But the momentum at the end of that 15 minutes was clearly in the favor of Jessica Andrade. I want to see that fight again. I really do. And I understand the people who are just like, oh, man, Rose just fights rematches all the time. Two, you know, part twos, part threes. I get it. But I feel like, especially if Rose beats Carla... Those are the two best strawweights of the world. Rose, Jessica Andrade, let's do it. Let's see who the clear winner is. Let's see who the better fighter is. And if Rose wins the fight and wins it convincingly, has all the momentum in the end, she makes a great case for being the, the goat strawweight. She's, she's right up there. She's right up there. She's got two wins over Ioanni and Jacek. But I think just for her legacy to like, I just think she wants to cement it. Like I'm the one, there is no debate. There is no conversation to be had. I'm the best. I'm the greatest ever at 150. But Rose just seems hungry. She seems into the sport. And it's refreshing. It's refreshing. We don't like to see Rose Damiunas doubting herself or falling out of love with MMA. We've been there. But I feel like these last couple of years, I feel like her first run as champion, the way that it ended, made her sort of take a deep dive into her love for the sport. And I feel like she's overcome that adversity. I think that's huge for her. Her confidence has risen. That's a scary thing. And I thought Carla Sparza was, uh, was very relaxed at the media day. That was one of the things I was, I was looking at. How is she going to handle it? Sometimes those lights can be really bright. The media obligations can be a lot. It's been a while since Carla's been in a title fight. Remember what happened the last time she fought Ioana and Jacek, and that was one of the most vicious, brutal women's championship fights you will ever see. Ioana just put it on Carla, something ferocious. And it's taken a while. It took her a long time to get over that. It took her a long time to get over that. But we'll see. That's why they fight. There's a story there. This fight should have happened a while back even before Zhang Weili got the rematch. It ended up being a really close competitive fight the second time around in MSG, but I would have liked to have seen Carly get it before. So, The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And then with Tony, little teaser later on today, because... For some reason, you guys love these conversations. I spoke with the great John Anik a couple days ago. That's going to drop on our YouTube channel. We talked about the three big fights, his under-the-radar, low-key banger. But Tony Ferguson, man, we are both very fascinated to see what this division looks like if Tony Ferguson beats Michael Chandler. This could shake things up in a big way. I understand that Ferguson's on a little bit of a schneid right now. I get it. But if Tony Ferguson goes out there and beats Michael Chandler, let's just say Michael, because here's how I think this fight could play out. Because I'm, I think there's a case to be made that Tony can win this fight. He's going to have to go through hell to do it. And I know, Tristan, you brought up the people questioning the chin, questioning the durability and all that stuff. You can't really question the durability because the guy is super durable. And Michael Chandler hits really hard no doubt about it but so does justin gaethje and tony ferguson took like 300 punches to the face like real hard shots that was one of those fights where i was just i i I was almost i almost cringed watching it because you're in the empty arena in jacksonville and all you hear is just leather hitting face over and over again it was a surreal gnarly experience watching that fight because justin gaethje Landed some big shots. And let's not forget, Tony landed some big shots in that fight, too. He probably the hardest, one of the hardest shots landed in that whole fight came from Tony Ferguson. So he's got he's got a little pop, too. But I like Tony's approach to this fight. He's just not giving a crap. Loose as a goose. He's going back to the old school. Going back to the old wrestling coach. I feel like he tried to do a little too much. He was trying to do different things, trying to bring in bigger names, work with Freddie Roach, all that stuff. And Freddie Roach is a legend, not taking anything away from him. But Tony Ferguson is a guy like, it's like Rocky Balboa and Rocky Three. okay? You got to go back to the old school. You got to go to the gym where the weights are rusty and gross and there's no air conditioning and there's just sweat and there's no music, none of that stuff. No cell phones, no social media, going back to the grind. And I feel like Tony's done that for the last year. It's a really interesting fight. And if he beats Michael Chandler, despite his issues with the UFC, you know the fans are going to be super behind this guy to the point where the UFC is just, they. it's kind of like Nate. It's kind of like Nate Diaz. Like eventually you're going to have to give this guy what he wants because it's good business because people want to see it. Can you imagine Tony Ferguson? I think Michael Chandler's going to get after Tony in the first round. He's going to land a big shot. He's going to have, I don't think he's going to like, drop Tony hard or anything like that. But I think he's going to have Tony in like a little bit of trouble, but Tony's durability could be the factor here. If he can get out of that first round, he can weather that early storm. 
and extend this fight, he's got a he's got a chance to win. I think he's got a chance, but he's got to get out of that first round. He's got to extend it. He's got to extend it. I'm I'm super intrigued by it. And if Tony wins, man, whoo, one fifty five could be real interesting if he wins this fight, despite the Schneid and everything, because. People are going to be clamoring for a big fight for him. And if he gets another win, he could be fighting for the title. It's just, it's crazy to think about, but it is possible. Of course, we got to walk before we run. And we got to see what's going to happen. But I'm, I'm all in on that fight. All in on Rose Carla. I cannot wait for the main event. By the way, Charles Oliveira showed up to BD Day looking like a hundred million bucks. Everyone's wearing T-shirts and shorts and jeans. And Charles Oliveira, good old Chucky Olive showing up with a suit. Looks like he's getting married. Looks like a million bucks. He looked like the freaking champion of the world. Love that. Love to see it. Charles, the consummate professional. Justin just firing out things. Can't wait for that fight. It's a good card. Those top three fights are outstanding. Yeah, we got Joe Lowe's on Donald Cerrone who had excellent media day scrums as well. So I got a couple of uh, DMs and Instagram, one of which had to do, and if you guys want to jump in, we got Grant Dasa coming up in about 20 minutes. He should be joining us. If you guys want to jump in with questions, jump on in. Uh, had some questions about the the leaked fights, the, the screenshots of doom, if you will, for the UFC, uh, and got a question about some news that, that came out yesterday. So I will address those right now. So as you guys have seen, Dana White did an interview with The Pivot. And yeah, he talked about boxing and stuff like that. But the biggest thing to come out of that interview was there's some sneaky, smart dudes out there who are just like, oh, they're going to the war room. Let's pause the video and take screenshots and zoom them in and see what the UFC is thinking for some of these fights. And the big one was obviously July 2nd, International Fight Week. UFC 276, and we saw some of the big fights that were on there. We saw Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier in the main event spot. I will say, I have heard that that is about 98.5% done at this point. Okay? So get ready for that. Expect that. I told you guys about a month ago. I, I told you guys in one of the early episodes of the show, that's probably going to be the main event. It was It was too early in the game for me to be like, yep, that's definitely the main event, but there's a good chance that was going to be the main event. Then we had Sean Strickland versus Alex Bahada getting moved up from July 3rd to July 2nd. We confirmed that. Then we had... What was the other one? I have to pull it up. I gotta pull it up. But we also had... Um, Sean O'Malley versus Pedro Munoz. We confirmed that already. So, yeah. Uh, here it is. Sorry about that. Lauren Murphy, Misha Tate's already there. We got that one. Uh, but the big one is Hamza Shabayev versus Nate Diaz. And that was the one that really stood out to everybody. And people had, people were feeling certain ways about that fight. They were like, what the hell? Really? No way Nate takes that fight. They're messing with us. It's a conspiracy. UFC did this on purpose so people would screenshot it and talk about it, yada, yada, yada. Fight is clearly... I don't even know where it is, but I know Helwani talked about it yesterday on his show. I can tell you this. There's some truth to it. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be going to the UFC website to buy your tickets in hopes to see that fight. But there's a, there's, there's, there's some smoke as the kids say, there is some smoke to that one that I know for sure, but not done. If I were to guess, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to say like trying to pick a side here. I don't know. This is 50, 50 as it gets. This is a seesaw fight. We're right in the middle. Is it going to go one way? Yes, one way, no. We're 50-50 at best. So there's that. July 30th, John Jones, Stipe Miocic. I know that was on the board as well. People are all excited about that. I wouldn't get too excited about that. I would be shocked. 
I would be shocked if we get that fight July 30th. Now, who knows? Money talks. Maybe, maybe, maybe the UFC offers both these guys just a good, a floppity jillion dollars and they get it done. I don't think it happens. It might. I mean, who knows? Maybe the, the, there's an offer that can't be refused, but I would say unlikely for July 30th. What's going to headline that card? I don't know. One fight potentially that came out yesterday. My good pal Ariel Hawani said that the UFC is discussing the trilogy fight between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. And what Hawani reported was uh, July, speaking of, uh, July 2nd, UFC 276, that's the front runner. July 30th is like second place. So either way, this fight's probably going to happen in July. I have learned more since then. Um, I'll just go ahead and say it. Here's what I know. July 30th, probably off the table. So put that, take that however you'd like. People I've spoken with July 2nd is pretty much zeroed in for that fight. Not 100%. Penn has not hit paper. But I would expect that fight to happen July 2nd. This is a crazy sport. And until both guys are in the cage, nothing is certain. But from people I spoke to who would know, July 2nd, prepare to see that fight. So there you go. That's the update on that. Let's get Corey MMA rules in here. So I'm just ranting. I don't want to talk for another 17 minutes before Grant gets here. Corey, what's up, buddy? Just make sure you unmute. Corey, are you there? Hi. Yeah. There we go. How are you? Hi, Corey. Hi. Good, how are you? Yeah, I wanted to know, as far as, like, with Justin, is he serious with the talk that he's been doing during the interviews? Because um, he seems to believe that, um, like, Charles couldn't match him on the feet, that he's not going to be able to take him down. And we've seen Charles take people down, like the Kevin Lee fight. It was a double leg there. We've seen a body lock when it comes to Tony Ferguson. And even when he fought... Dustin, it really was wasn't a takedown. It was more so Dustin was trying to evade him, and he just needed that little bit of space for to get around his waist to get to his back. Um, so is 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 this just him trying to hype himself up or hype up the you know the audience for pay per views, or does he really believe that you know that he's going to win and there's nothing Charles can do on the on the feet or on the ground with him? That is a great question. Thank you, Corey. That is a great insight. Yeah, I mean, that that's one of those things where you wonder if it's gamesmanship or if he truly believes that. And I think if you're a fighter, I think if you're Justin Gaethje, you got to have a little bit of crazy to you. You have to believe. You have to believe in these types of situations. And maybe Justin believes his takedown defense is is that good that Charles won't be able to take him down. And there's still this narrative about Charles Oliveira that when the going gets tough, he runs for the hills. I just don't get it. I, I don't know why this narrative is still there. After the Michael Chandler fight, after the Dustin Poirier fight, why are we still saying this? Why is this still a thing? Justin Gaethje at the press conference, or excuse me, the media day yesterday said that once a quitter, always a quitter. Or something, something to that effect. Why? Why? We have seen Charles Oliveira get into some trouble these last couple fights. It's only made him better. Now, as far as the takedown thing, thing goes, that's a very interesting part of this fight. Because if Charles Oliveira takes Justin Gaethje down and improves his position, which Charles Oliveira could do that against anybody, this fight could be over real quick. It could be over really quickly. Because we saw what Habib did. Habib got him down. He could have done literally anything he wanted. And he showed mercy. <laughs> he literally showed mercy. He was like, nah, I don't want to break his arm. 
We'll do the triangle instead. We'll do this. I mean, Habib did that. And Habib's a, Habib is just a monster. And Habib is a great grappler. But Habib's jiu-jitsu is not where Charles Oliveira's is. Charles Oliveira's jiu-jitsu is better than Habib's. So I'm curious to see what happens if this fight gets to the ground. And here's an interesting narrative to this fight as well. Justin Gaethje has to worry about the takedown. Charles Oliveira fights like no one's going to try. It's crazy. So when people break down Charles's fights, it's just, it's just, it's interesting because you watch Charles strike. He strikes like very few in the UFC do because he feels like no one has the, uh, as Mick Foley always said in WWE, no one has the testicular fortitude to try to take him down. And you could see when he strikes that he's got that confidence that no one's going to try. No one's going to try. So all he has to worry about is just striking. Hey. They, they that's that's the weird thing about Twitter spaces. If somebody calls you, it just literally knocks out your entire feed and it friggins you crazy. I understand why they're calling. It's the vet. My dog had a little procedure yesterday. They're probably checking in on him, but you gotta wait till after nine o'clock, people. Gotta wait till after nine o'clock. But yeah, Charles Oliver, so much confidence in his feet right now. He knows no one's going to take him down. He's just going to worry about striking and defense. Listen, Charles Oliver said he ain't scared. He's going to go right in there. He's going to collide with Justin Gaethje. I believe him. I think that's what we're going to see. I think it's going to be really exciting. Charles Oliver is going to get kicked in the legs a bajillion times. He's going to get cracked. Charles is going to crack back. Charles is probably going to get hurt at some point in this fight. And if he can survive it, that's where he's the most dangerous he can be. Such a good fight. Such a good fight. Really looking forward to it. Again, if you guys are here, you want to jump in, you got questions, anything you want to talk about, hop on in. Grant Dawson is expected to join us in around 10 minutes. So I will keep a lookout for him. I don't think he's uh I don't think he's on Twitter all that often. I don't actually, I don't remember really ever seeing him on Twitter, but I have been told that he will be here at 8.45, waking up bright and early for us, for all of you. So get excited for that. All right. Again, please feel free to chime in and ask questions. Let me just pull up the rest of the card. Bellator's got an event too. Bellator's got a card tomorrow. Bellator 280, you got Ryan Bader versus Czech Congo. You got Yoel Romero back in our lives, taking on Alex Polizzi. Lorenz Larkin versus Kyle Stewart is on that card. And honestly, I have to look at the rest. Here's UFC 274. Ovin St. Preux, Shogun Hua, Don Cerrone, Joe Lozon wraps up the main card. Randy Brown versus Chaos Williams. Come on now. That fight's phenomenal. We got Francisco Trinaldo, Danny Roberts. That should be crazy. Macy Chieson, Norma Dumont. Big one at 145. Low-key banger alert. Brandon Royval versus Matt Schnell. Holy potatoes. Lagoy Ivanov, Marcos Ruggiero de Lima. That's two heavyweights slapping bellies at each other. That should be uh, all sorts of fun. Andre Fialho versus Cameron Van Camp. Tracy Cortez is back versus Melissa Gatto. Real interesting fight at 125. Clayton Rodriguez, CJ Vergara. You know that's going to be fun. Lupi Godinez is back. She got actually took a little bit of time off. <laughs> How about that? Taking on Ariane Carolosi and then Journey Newsom versus Ferdy Garcia will be the quote-unquote curtain jerker for this card. And it's pretty good. It's pretty solid. Those top three fights are outstanding. Cerrone Lozon is just going to be chaos until it's over. And then OSP Shogun is just going to be ridiculous. By the way, props to Shogun for telling us all what we already knew, that his 2005 was his was the best year of any fighter in the history of the sport. And I'm, I'm with him on that. Well said, Shogun. Well said. If you're bored, if you're a newer fan and you have... UFC Fight Pass or anything like that, 
go watch old Shogun Hua fights from the early 2000s. Do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor. And go watch Shogun do the damn thing in the early 2000s. His 2005 was insane. Little Nog, or Big Nog, excuse me, Antonio Ruggiero Noguera wins that fight. Oh, but I'm sorry. I got to go back even further. He had a st- <laughs> a stomp knockout in the first round in February 2005 against Hiromitsu Kanihara that he soccer kicked, stopped Quentin Rampage Jackson two months later. He beats Antonio Ruggiero Noguera via decision in June of 2005. August 2005, knocks out Alistair Overeem. August 2005, knocks out Ricardo Arona in less than three minutes. That was his 2005. And at that time, you you hear some of those names and you're like, you think about like the current version of them. These are guys that were like just murdering everybody at that time. And Shogun beat them all. From February to August of that year, in a six-month span, he beat Overeem and Arona on the same night. Pride was awesome. God, Pride was awesome. Shogo was so good. God, he was so good. Still is. Still is. But man, just go back and watch Shogun 2005. God, is that fun. I think that is the greatest year in MMA history. But there you go. No one has questions. No one has anything. You're going to let me ramble this whole time? What else are we going to talk about? What else are we going to talk about here? We could talk about Bellator. There we go. Tim, God bless you. What's up, buddy? Mike, you hear me? I can. How's it going? Um, pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing great. What's up, my man? Um, have you or has anyone talked about the whole Nate Diaz Hamza Chimaev thing? <laughs> what are your thoughts on it, my man? So, I, I I've read a bunch of banter on Twitter and stuff about it. I I mean, I kind of get it from the fact that like they want to keep Ham, keep Hamza active, and I bet Colby is. I don't want to use ducking, but I'm certainly thinking Colby's not rushing to sign a contract to fight Hamzat. Um, but, God, that's just awful for Nate Diaz. I see people saying that he's going to, you know, always tough and he's got the best chin and he's got sneaky jujitsu. But, no, Hamzat's going to dump him on his head and beat the crap out of him. So I just wanted to know your thoughts on that and the likelihood that we even see that fight because that's just that's one of the stranger matchups I've seen that they wanted to make. Thank you, Tim. Uh, as I, we did sort of discuss this earlier. Because there's one important key, there's one important piece to this puzzle that you did not mention, which is why there is some actual smoke to this. This is not just some random conspiracy. The UFC trying to set up everybody and say, "Oh yeah, watch what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna we're gonna post these screen. We're gonna let people grab these screenshots." And we're going to get people talking. And sorry, multitasking right now. This is real. There's now, like I said earlier, do I feel, do I feel confident that we're going to see this fight on July 2nd? If you gave me a hundred bucks and said, Mike, you have to bet it on something. I'm betting it on no, but there's some smoke to this fire that I can't say. Now, you mentioned keeping Hamzat active and things like that of that nature. And this is this is the kind of fight that would actually make sense for this scenario. Because Hamzat gets the rub, gets to stay active, gets put on a big card, great. But here's the thing about here's here's what makes this fight so interesting. I think Nate Diaz is just frustrated. I think I think at this point it's just like I don't give a shit who I fight. I want out of this company. I want out. Give me whoever you want. I don't give a shit. You want to give me Shemaev? Fine. Give me Hamzat. Just so I can get out of this company. I want out. 
Nate Diaz has been asking for a fight since his last fight. Him and Dustin Poirier are like, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. They've Everybody wants it, but it's not being made. And it's the contract thing because Nate has one fight left. And the UFC is like, okay, we'll give you the Dustin fight, but you got to sign an extension. You got to sign an extension. You got to give us four more fights. And Nate is probably like, no way. I ain't giving you four more fights. Get the hell out of here. So this might be the the compromise, if you will, to get Nate back in there. Gets Hams at the rub. Nate gets his last fight. UFC's probably like, all right, we'll throw him in there with Hamza and we'll have Hamza just run his ass over. Here's the thing about Nate Diaz. Hamza can run him over. He can win a decision. He can finish him. It doesn't matter. Nate will find a way to spin this in his favor and then he will go off and he will box Jake Paul and make a gazillion dollars. So in Nate's mind, it's just like, all right, and credit to Jed Bishu, because this would be the greatest moment in the history of combat sports if he did this. Nate takes this fight. They make the walk. Nate gets after it. They're, they face off. All that. You ready? You ready? Fight. And Nate just like sits down, taps out, walks out of the cage, and says, see you later, flipping the birds to everybody. How friggin' awesome would that be? That'd be the greatest thing ever. But I don't know. I don't know if it happens. Maybe it does. But seeing that fight up there, there's there's some smoke. There's some smoke. All right, we'll take uh, we'll take a couple more as we await the arrival of Grant Dawson. We got to get out of here at nine a.m. on the dot. By the way, because apparently MMA fighting is like Mike. We're gonna let you uh, run the desk this morning. I don't know what they're thinking. Let's get uh, West Worldwide Engineering Services. That's what it says. What's up? Let's get on mute. Hello uh, here. I hear you. What's up? Uh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for giving the floor. Uh, yes, I'm calling from Cameroon, from uh, Africa. Oh, nice. Yes, yeah, yes. I wanted to talk about the, the situation of uh, Nganu. I wanted some, uh, if you know about his situation now at UFC, if, uh, if about his contract. If there's because, been uh, what, like a- a- any movement on it? Yeah, yeah. Because for us here in Africa, it will be, it will be a very, a very, a, a loss if Ngannou no longer fights for UFC. Because we have uh, very high cops, cops here to see the UFC here in Africa. So uh, I wanted to know about the, the situation of Ngannou. And sure. uh, for, for us here in Africa, it seems that uh, you uh, fighters, uh, the fighters in UFC, uh, the other fighters, they are, they are not very united with the, the, the deal with the deal that uh, Ngannou is, uh, they has with, uh, the, with the UFC. Uh, it seems that uh, Ngannou is alone with his with his, uh, his, uh, his deal with the UFC. He's, uh, he has it for more money, and we are not seeing the other fighters uh, having the same uh, the same idea as him. So uh, we are we are very we are, we are worried here. So wanted to know. Yeah. Thank All right. You. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, yeah. Listen. This is uh this is the story in my opinion this is the most interesting story of the entire year. How is this all going to play out? Will the UFC and Francis Ngannou come to terms? I, I don't know. There's been no movement since all this. I thought it was an incredible moment to see Francis Ngannou in that ring with Tyson Fury to have Tyson Fury put Francis over for Tyson Fury to want this fight. This is massive. This is massive. Now, I get it. As a fan, especially where you're at in the world in Cameroon, having a UFC event in Africa is just going to be massive, and I think it's going to happen. When? I have no idea. But the UFC, Dana White has said it many times, that is one of their goals to have a show in Africa. And Francis Ngannou would be a major part 
would play a pivotal role in making that happen. It would be a, a bigger deal with Francis on the card. However, Francis has to look out for number one. And Francis wants certain things. He feels like he has been disrespected. Now, if you go back and watch his interview with Ariel Hawani after he beat Cyril Ghosn, I mean, that's everything you need to know right there. Just all the stuff that this man had to go through before fighting Cyril Ghosn. And he still won on one leg. He went out there and beat Cyril Ghosn on one leg with wrestling. He won. He shut up everybody. He got everything in his favor. He bet on himself. He went all in on a fight he probably shouldn't even have taken at the end of the day. And he won. So now he's got the chips in his favor for as long as he wants. Actually, not as long as he wants, because come January, he's free to go and do whatever he wants. And it seems like Francis kind of it seems like Francis wants to stay with the UFC. It seems like cooler heads are gonna want to prevail at some point. But now we have this Tyson Fury thing. And if you're the UFC, just let him do it. Just let him do it. Negotiate your little piece of the pie. Let the man do it. I don't. It, this is a fight that's not going to happen like tomorrow. It's a fight that might happen like next summer or the end of next year. It's not something that's going to happen immediately. So make a deal. Like I don't see how this is a bad thing for the UFC. But if he loses a boxing match, Tyson Fury, who cares? You backed Connor against Floyd and only, I mean, Honestly, anybody who knows anything about boxing knew that Connor had no chance to win that fight. Like, literally zero chance. And you did that. Like, at least, like, at least Francis has like a puncher's chance. Like, he can land something big and maybe. He's not going to. But at least, like, you know, we can see these two guys face off and we're like, all right, this is something. This isn't Canelo Usman. This is. This is somewhat interesting. We all know how it's going to end, but it's interesting. And th- it could make a lot of money. It will make a lot of money. And the UFC can get a little piece of that. So if I'm Hunter Campbell, if I'm the brass, here's what I'm thinking. Listen, dude. We're going to give we're going to let you fight Tyson, okay? We have to figure out this heavyweight championship situation. We got to figure out we're going to get John Jones and Steve Baby in the in the cage for the interim title before you fight Tyson Fury. You have to fight the winner of that fight first. You get your MMA fight in. You get your knee all squared away. Resign this deal. You give me one fight, and in writing, we will let. If you win, win or lose, doesn't matter. I mean, if he loses, that's kind of a risky thing because I don't know how much pizzazz the fight has if he loses. But you know, maybe it's still there. But if he beats, just say hey, and you go on. And he could go on and fight Tyson Fury. That's how I would do it. But again, the UFC is super freaking petty. So to answer your question, <laughs> no movement at all. Um, and as far as the other fighters, go listen to my in- go listen to my interview with Joe Lozon. Joe Joe sums it up perfectly. He's not anti fighter. He's a realist. He's a realist. We all want these fighters to be paid more. All of us collectively, everybody in this room, want fighters to make as much money as possible. But there's a way to go about it. And Joe Lozon gets a lot of shit for saying some of the things that he says, but he's not wrong. Francis is going after his his piece of the pie. Other fighters are going after their piece of the pie. Very few are saying, I want everybody to be paid. And just look at the UFC roster. There's a small percentage of fighters who are big stars and have actual negotiating power and wiggle room. Probably 500 of these fighters have no power at all. If they make a stink and they say, I want more money, the UFC will say, okay, go find it elsewhere. You're cut. You're out of here. And that's the fear that a lot of these people have. Because the UFC provides opportunity. They don't guarantee anything. And if you go up against them, when you're making 15 and 15 or whatever, they just cut your ass because they'll find somebody else who will come in and take that money and be happy about it. We've seen this a million times. 
title fights, championship scenarios where you have fighter A versus fighter B. They're negotiating with both sides. Fighter B says, no, I want more money. And then fighter C comes in and says, screw that guy. I'll take it for less than you were going to offer fighter B. Okay, done. We're in. That's why a union's never going to happen. That's exactly why. That's the issue. And these things aren't going to get shored up anytime soon. I would love a day before the day I die and perish off of this earth and have my final heck of the morning for the topic to be the fighters have come together for an association, for a union of some kind. That would be lovely. That would be a lovely thing. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. So I'm not going to, to, to hold my breath. So, yeah. Stupid. The fighters should have come out after they made freaking, if they sold a company for $4.2 billion and said, you know what? Let's come together now. And they didn't. And here we are. Brian, what's up, buddy? What's going on, Mike? Thanks for taking me. Um, sure. I just really want to talk about the Nate Diaz and Humzad. I think this is a terrible, terrible look for Nate Diaz. If you watch his fight against Masvidal or even against Leon, the power discrepancy is just its pretty noticeable. I think he has a decent chance of actually getting put out in this one. And uh, also, Dominic Cruz, Cheeto Vera, UFC needs to make it happen. I think Dom is just holding on to a spot in the rankings that, frankly, I don't think he uh, he's at at this point of his career. And that's all for now. All right, cool, man. I appreciate that. Uh, here's the thing. Yes, it's. I think most people... I think most people would think it's a terrible matchup. Nate probably is just like, ah, this, this is dumb. But at the same time, like Nate doesn't care. Nate just wants to be out of the UFC. So if it means going in there and fighting Hamzad and having the chips fall where they may, he's okay with it. He's fine with it. It is what it is. He's cool. He just wants out. And if it means fighting Hamzad, he will take, he will take it. He will take it. And he will find a way to spin it. Like, if he lands one big shot, like, he'll just come out and say, like, oh, Hamza cheated or do something like that. And guess what? People will believe him. People will take his back. And then he'll go on and box Jake Paul and make a whole bunch of money. So, yeah, it's, it's, listen, we're, Nate's a tough dude. Nate's a tough dude. And maybe he can weather the storm or whatever. Like, he's had good nights. He's had bad nights. He got beat up by Leon Edwards for 24 minutes and then landed one punch. And it changed the whole fight. And all we're talking about is Nate. Nate has this incredible way, win or lose, to have his stock rise no matter what. And somehow, some way, even if he fights Hamza Shemaev, guess what? His stock's going to rise. Because he'll get the... Just think about it this way. It's a terrible matchup for Nate. At least in a lot of our eyes, right? Just Nate taking this fight. People are just going to be like, oh, man, you gangster. You absolute savage. You're taking this fight? Props, Nate. Props to you. His stock rises just before he gets into the cage. And then whatever happens to the fight, it's just cherry on top of the Sunday. Nate is playing with house money when he fights Hamzan. No matter what happens, nobody cares. He can take an L. We'll still give him props for even accepting this fight. And then he goes on to boxing or goes on to whatever he wants. And then that's where things get real interesting because... What's going to happen with Connor? From all accounts, his he doesn't have a lot of juice left on his deal either. Another couple of fights, Connor runs through those two. He becomes a free agent. He's out of the UFC. Just think of the business that can be done outside of the octagon. We could get Connor Nate three outside of the UFC, and guess who gets all the money? Those two guys. UFC doesn't get a dime. So this is going to be really interesting. I would, I mean, listen, I'd love to see it. There is, like I said, there is smoke there. Far from done. It's a thing. But we'll see what happens. Because, like I, like I said a little bit earlier, I don't know, because I, I know I'm uh, the old war room screenshot there. That was listed as the co-main event. That's a massive fight. But from what I understand, 
when it comes to where that co-main event will lie or what will fill it. The reports came out yesterday that Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway 3 is going to take place sometime in July. Uh, and from what I was told early this morning, super early on my way to the gym, July 2nd is the bullseye. Not done yet. Pen has not hit paper yet. But I know it's torn between July 2nd and July 30th. And from what I understand, all that weight has pretty much shifted to July 2nd, July 30th really not on the table right now for that fight uh, was being discussed. But as of right now, must've happened like late last night, uh, all signs pointing to July 2nd for Volkanovsky Holloway three. What does that mean for that rest of that card? I don't know. We've already reported and confirmed a whole bunch of those fights. Um, yeah. So that's where we're at right now. We're waiting on Grant Dawson. I don't know if he's coming. I'm speaking to a member of his team right now to try to get him all in here, but we'll see. We only got a few more minutes, so we're running out of time here. Let's get Sebastian in here. Sebastian, what's up, buddy? What's up, brother? What do you think about? I don't. What, what do you think about Cheeto Vera's performance? Cheeto was fantastic. The guy is a zombie. Dude, it's super good. It's got to be so frustrating to fight that guy. Like, I can't imagine what Rob Font was going through. I mentioned this the other day. I was uh, doing the show live from uh, from an auto repair shop. I was getting new brake pads installed on my car, walking around the parking lot doing this show. And the point I made was there was another guy that was walking around on a phone call. And if I walked up to this guy, this random dude, and I punched him in the face 270 times, and he just stood there and danced in my face, how frustrating is that? That's this got to be the most frustrating thing ever. And Rob Fawn, a professional fighter who's a tremendous striker, unbelievable boxer, was hitting Cheeto up. He was hitting him hard. And Cheeto didn't even have a welt in his face. Cheeto was like ready to go another five rounds. Cheeto's real good, man. He's a he's a scary guy. He's a scary man. So, I don't know. Loved it. Love to see him and Dominic Cruz. I know someone mentioned that earlier. That would that'd be a tremendous fight. I mean, Cheeto could fight anybody right now, and I'm in. Cheeto versus Piotr Jan. I don't want to see Cheeto versus Marab. I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like Marab is just a nightmare for pretty much anybody. And I feel like coming off a win like that, you probably shouldn't have to fight Marab. <laughs> But even, you know, Cheeto Corey Sandhagen rules too. I mean, it's really no bad answer here. There is one bad answer. Someone was saying Song Yidong, do the rematch. No, no. He's so much further ahead of Song Yidong right now. Song Yidong versus Rob Font makes plenty of sense to me. All right. So let's, uh, Ku? Ku Hesifid? What's up, buddy? Uh, I want to ask your opinion about the uh, next fight of Tommy Aspinall in London. How do you see his chances of winning? And if he wins, is he the next for the title? Tommy Aspinall, Tommy Aspinall, Tommy Aspinall. It's a great fight. It's a great fight. Love it. Place could be electric. Curtis Blades is a tough out. If he goes out there and beats Curtis Blades, hmm. I don't know if I'm confident enough to say that his next fight will be for the title. It's kind of tough because this division is just, there's so many questions right now. Where's John Jones fit? Where does Stipe fit? Where does Francis Ngannou fit? We kind of have to wait and see how things play out. Tommy Aspinall puts himself in a, in a tremendous position with the win over Curtis Blades. You have to think the winner of this fight is probably going to fight for the title in their next fight. Curtis, uh, I don't know. It kind of all depends. There's too many questions right now to, to be confident in that pick, but Tommy Aspinall puts himself in a really good position if he goes out there and beats Curtis Blades. He goes out there and runs Curtis Blades over. He makes a compelling case, puts himself in a, at least a backup situation. But again, we don't know what's going to happen with the current heavyweight champion. We don't even know if Fran Sagan is ever going to fight in the UFC again. We don't know. We have no idea. And then... If Jones Stipe happens in September, the winner of that would fight Francis. So 
could be a while for either of those guys fight for the belt, but great spot for Tommy Aspinall. He gets another hometown fight. He'll be the hometown hero. And I think this is the kind of test that we've been waiting for for Tommy Aspinall. And I love how we just continuously call him Tommy Aspinall now. Like he's an eight-year-old child, but I'll never call him Tom again. And it's all because of the UK fans singing that song. He'll always be Tommy Aspinall for the rest of his career. All right. So apologies for everyone expecting Grant Dawson. Does look like it's co- it's going to happen. And I need to get the hell out of here because, again, MMA Fighting is telling me that I have to, to run the show on the website. And, yeah, they're, uh, they're playing with fire right now. But I'm going to do the best I can. But thank you all for checking. By the way, we're back again tomorrow. Get your questions and your stuff ready, okay? Because this is your show. Tomorrow's a free-for-all Friday. We're going to get after this thing. Jed Bashu versus Ben Duffy from Sherdog on BTL today, live at 3 p.m. Eastern. I can't even begin to tell you how many people have reached out saying, oh, you got to do Jed versus Ben Duffy. Well, that's what's going to happen. Talked to Ben last night. He's in. So for all the hardcore BTL fans who wanted that matchup, you're going to get it. Jed versus Duffy, 3 p.m. Eastern, live MMA Fighting YouTube channel. Exciting stuff. Of course, the press conference going down later on today. Jose Youngs, Sean Alshadi, they are on site in Phoenix. We will have you covered for all that. So enjoy another busy day in the world of mixed martial arts. Have a heck of a morning and a heck of the rest of the day. Thank you all so much. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.